Hello and welcome to the Kinetic Fitness Show, where we inspire you to live a longer, healthier, happy, and more joyful life. We cover everything you need to know to be optimally healthy in your mind, body, and spirit. Are you ready to become the ultimate version of yourself? Well, let's dive into another episode with your host and guide by your side, Allie West. Daniel. Do you prefer Daniel or Dan? Whatever you want to call me. I've been called okay. a lot worse. Whatever you want to call me, I'm sure I've been called worse. Anyway, Dan. Dan, Dan yeah. welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. No, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We had a little bit of a mishap, so we'll give the audience some context. <laughs> you came over to my gym, to Kinetic Fitness, yesterday, and in typical Ali West fashion, I'd not checked my tech, not checked my connections. One of the mics wasn't working. One of the cables wasn't working so we couldn't record so now i'm at your place recording weird. my podcast yeah. at your place <laughs> well, so when i do when i go to mikey's obviously i need a podcast uh, with mikey like when i go to his and i'm sat on his bus i'm like i'm like it feels like i'm doing I'm, I'm football feels like i'm away yeah i'm at home so like when you're introducing yourself now exactly yeah. on your podcast it's like oh it's bizarre like you welcome me on your podcast at my place it's a bit bizarre yeah and we're just about to do an epic slog because i'm about to be interviewed on yours after yeah. or I say interviewed we're just gonna have a conversation aren't we but the, but the thing is I think that's the best way of doing it like obviously you've got interview stars when you've got like actual relaxing conversations I think you get the best out of somebody when you're just literally having two people chatting like even yesterday the yeah. worst part was we should have just had a microphone recording when we were chatting because we were chatting for what, like an hour yeah. just going off all over the place and we were dropping bombs on some stuff and it's like we should have just held this back for the podcast yeah I said this to Mikey the first time I met Mikey I said to him that we should just hit record and you should just do it anyway just when like you're chatting with your friends and family because you always get some gold but sometimes it's the audio quality isn't it when you're just recording yeah. it on your phone but yeah we did we did have a good chat yesterday and yesterday's the first time we met so it was yeah 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 but, but it's bizarre isn't it because this is what i was uh, saying to someone obviously you know two of my coaches uh you've lived in longer most of your life yeah we, we basically worked started off with the same gyms together at virgin active yeah and yet we still never connected it's yeah, just bizarre yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a small world though, isn't it, Nottingham? You'll always kind of come across somebody that knows somebody and a mutual friend. But yeah, it's good. We're here now. Yeah, we, Let's we're here do it. We're connecting it on the same journey. Let's so I love do it. it. Let's do it. So I think a great starting point, as I do with most of my guests, is is for a bit of your backstory. So tell myself and the listeners a little bit more about you, about your, your story, where you've come from, what you're doing now, and then we'll just go from there, mate. So uh, how far back do you want me to go? How far do you want to go? Oh, all, all, all the way, way back. Well, all the way, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> So normally I go and do like talks and stuff. I start off by going back to where I was at school because obviously a lot of people see me now um, and they see me as this confident person, like you know, in shape, doing what I'm doing. Um, but actually for me, uh, when I was at school, I suffered really badly with being bullied. So I was dyslexic. Well, still I'm dyslexic. You know, get rid of dyslexia. Um, so I remember having those coloured sheets of paper. I don't know if you ever saw kids at your school that had the coloured sheets yeah, of paper yeah. so they could read. So that was me. And then I got these uh, tinted glasses and I thought they were really, really cool. But it turns out no one else thought they were cool. So I'm getting really badly bullied for that. And at school, I just felt very, very lost. So for me, like I was that kid on the break time that was kind of didn't really know where he sort of fit in, was sort mm. of moving around the crowds. My only saving grace was I was a very, very good goalkeeper. So I had like the cool kids that I could hang around with if I wanted to, but I liked Warhammer, I liked skateboarding, rock music. So all the stuff I thought was cool, but no one else really, really did. Yeah. And then end up going to university in America, skipping forward quite a few things here, uh, and then end up working at a place called M10, which is obviously one of the most prestigious personal training companies in the country. Uh, sort of honed my craft as a personal trainer there. Um, obviously skipping massive parts of the story but um, I then got into bodybuilding so from the bodybuilding it then led into modelling 
So I was on the front cover of magazines, billboards, boxes, all this sort of stuff. Um, you looked at my Instagram, I was living, quote unquote, my best life. Mm. And people would think that, you know, living this this dream life, but I was actually very, very depressed. Um, and I hadn't noticed it at this point, it, but it started to seep in there. Um, it then also came to a head when uh, a, a girlfriend broke up with me. I didn't handle it very, very well. Well, say she broke up with me. I could miss, miss part of my story. Um, I had a girlfriend try to kill me. No way. Yeah. So girlfriend tried to kill me. She suffered really badly with her mental health. I knew nothing about mental health at this point. So I had to call the police, got that sorted. I did the typical thing that blokes do and jumped straight into another relationship. Mm. That's where she then broke up with me and then my head sort of spiraled. Like, do you know, when you've got that grief, but you haven't dealt with it. And that's when it was. So basically I had all these depressive tendencies I'd noticed from school. So I'd had this, uh, this, this complete lack of identity and self-love from school. I'd carried it with me all the way through university, all the way through this personal training, all the way through this modeling. Uh, and then it's still broken up with me after I'd had that incident with my ex-girlfriend that tried to kill me. And that was it. Mm. My sort of head completely rolled off. And yeah, I just didn't want to be here. I didn't want to wake up. Uh, was not in a good headspace. And anyone that's suffered depression will know what I'm talking about. I had this just, I'd be doing personal training sessions and I'd have this fire of rage inside me of, you are fucking keeping me awake. Mm. I just want to be in bed, asleep, by myself and you are keeping me awake, and this anger and this rage was inside me. While I was doing personal training sessions that people were paying me money for, and family events, same thing. Like anything that stopped me from sleeping, I just had this burning rage of anger. Mm -hmm. And the internal dialogue that must have been going on inside my head must have been absolutely horrific. Um, and then I managed to get myself out of that situation. Um, I, to this day, I still don't really know how. Um, I know that I found some very good people along the way to help me out of it, but I think it just got to the stage where uh, I'd hit, hit, hit rock bottom so hard and I'd isolate myself so much from society and people around me, I just said I need to get back and socialise. So I forced myself to go work at a pub just to be around people. And then that then I started talking to people and then I realised how bad I was. And Then once I got myself into a good headspace, um, I don't like to be out of control. So I don't drink because I got really badly beaten up in America. And for me... I didn't like the fact that I was out of control of my body and my mind and my thoughts. So I went on a massive mission to discover what the fuck had gone on. Mm. And once I found out all this information, it made me angry. I was like, where was this information when I needed it? Yeah. Because it was there. I didn't really have to search that hard for it, but it was there, but no one had given it to me, no one had told me it wasn't. And I, and I was so angry and I thought, I'm now on this mission to help as many people as possible never feel how I felt. And that's when the Primal Life Project was born. So uh, I've now run a company, a uh, personal training company. I've got five amazing coaches that work for me. Um, I've obviously got a very successful podcast, the Primal Life Project podcast. Uh, and then I also do public speaking in schools. So I basically, people will come to see me now for coaching. They're people that are struggling with their mental health. And fundamentally, when these people are paying me a lot of money to, to, to help them, it all comes back to childhood mm. and school. And that's where it started for me. Yep. So I've now got such a mission and passion to go into school and give these kids this information that I found and wish I knew at their age. So for me, that, that's where I'm at now with things. Um, my life's amazing. Uh, obviously, I'm not perfect. I still have bad days. I, I, anyone that tells you they don't have bad days is lying. Mm. I don't care who they are. I don't care if Tony Robbins or anything. I'm not bothered. You, you're going to have a bad day. It's just all about how quickly you can bounce back, how quickly you can notice those bad thoughts ten, or your energy dropping or something. And then you've got all those tools just to help you. Um, so like I said, I'm not perfect. I still have bad days, but I love myself. And that's, for me, the most important thing. Like, we spoke about this yesterday. Like, yeah. I've got complete confidence in myself. I know exactly where I'm going. I know my mission. I know my faults. I know the mistakes I've made along the way. Again, I, I've been a fucking asshole throughout my life. I, I fully own that. I fully accept that. And my biggest thing I say to people is that 
people aren't broken and they don't need to fix him. They need to find themselves, forgive themselves, and love themselves. And yeah. I can safely say, hand on my heart, I've done all three of those. And it, like we said yesterday, it's just a really good place to be where you know yourself. Comfortable you know, in your own skin. Yeah, and you, and you know your flaws. You know what you've done. No one, no one can say anything about me that I don't already know. But it's cool. I'm, I'm not perfect. No one's perfect. But my mission every single day when I wake up and it gets me out of bed is to help people. Love it's it. as simple as that. So there yeah. you go. That, that, that's a brief five-minute summary no, yeah, synopsis I mean, of my life. In five minutes, there's so much that we could dive into there and different angles that we could go off. But I want to start at the start pretty much. Yeah, way back, way go. back. So when did you first start to know that or notice that you had these kind of um, these these issues mentally? So in terms of when did you start feeling depressed? Was that way back like at junior school or did that kick in in secondary school? And also another thing that I'm interested in, and you don't have to tell me if you don't want to, but what was the home life environment like mm-hmm. as well? What was going on there? When did this all these tendencies start to kick in and happen? So for me, primary school, um, it sounds bizarre. When I was at primary school... Was you bullied at primary school? Yes, but okay. for different reasons. That, 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 was, that was more the dyslexia yeah. for the, for the um, paper, the, the glasses and stuff like that. Uh, and also I had a big head. Okay. So like <laughs> my, my, my head grew before my body. So I was one of those kids with like a lollipop head. Uh, I shouldn't laugh, but, <laughs> yeah. but the thing is though, it's what it is. Yeah, it is, yeah, I mean, yeah. like, it but is it's a, different when you're a child, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, like, and like, and, and this, this is the thing, it's like, I, I, could, I could talk about it now, I can laugh about it now. Like, uh, again, I, it, it is what it is. Like, you can't physically change how yeah. you look. It's like when people say things about the color of people's skin or the eye colors or hair. You can't do anything about that. It's what you're born with. So I was born with a, a fucking bigger head. Like, obviously now you can't tell because I've filled that into my body. Yeah. But as a kid, um, apparently someone noticed it and then that was it. So, but, but for me, it was always, when I was at primary school, I noticed that I had this burning desire within me to be something amazing. I was like, I'm going to be someone. And I was so clear on that, but I thought it was going to be a professional footballer. Mm-hmm. I had this very clear, I remember, I can, I can literally We've picture it. We've all been it. there. Yeah, I think, I, think, I, think like, I think it must have been year five or year six. And I remember sitting there, Mr. Westmoreland, the teacher, I remember sitting there, looking out on the thing. I was like, I said this, this, this thing, I was like, I'm going to do something amazing in my life. And, and I was like, oh, what, what is it? I remember having this conversation with myself. I was like, what are we going to do? And I thought, oh, it must be football. Like, I'm going to be amazing. That's what it's going to be. I'm, I'm going to be successful. And that's like, I'm going to be famous doing that. And it now has become very, very apparent to me that that was the problem. Because what I was meant to do was help people. Mm. What I'm doing now is my path. I think you may, may relate to this. Like when, Once you know what you're meant to do on this earth, everything changes. Yep. And now I'm on that path, I realize that's what, that's what I knew at that age. And it wasn't to be successful or famous, it was to help people. That's, that's each what I was there to do, and to help people through hard times. So, back to your question. Um, it was then during secondary school that I noticed these depressive tendencies. But again, I didn't really know what it was. I, just, I felt sad. Yeah. I just felt very sad and very lost. Did you want to go to school? Was you like getting up and saying, "Oh, fuck school"? Or oh, I hate you... school. Okay, I hate. I, I, I hated okay. school. Um, and again, so I did. I did a podcast. I recorded a podcast yesterday with the, with the teacher. I'd honestly like therapy, mate. It was absolutely incredible. Um, big shout out to, to Martin Illingworth. It was absolutely incredible. Um, I generally, I almost had a breakdown on this, on this podcast because of how he was talking about school and how he is as a teacher. It put me back in school. And it can, you know, you, you are like the inner child who you take, you, you're told uh, yep. to, take, to go back to like regress. Yeah. That's basically what it was. And he completely changed my view of school. And he made school a happy experience. So I was on this podcast yesterday and I felt really happy about school. Mm. But it wasn't a good experience for me. It was awful. So I never wanted to go purely because uh, I really struggled with reading. Mm. So I hadn't read a book uh, until I was uh, 21 years old. So I've got a university degree. So GCSE, A levels, university degree. Never read a book until I was 21 years old. 
relying purely on my memory, which again is a good thing, mm. but at the time you're not told that. So I've really struggled with the learning style of school. I'm very visual, I'm a visual learner. Yeah. Um, struggled with homework. I just wanted to play football, it's all I wanted to do, so I never had time to do that. Um, but I just noticed I was very lost, very sad, just roaming around. Um, and my home life was really good. So when it comes to this, this depressive stuff, like I, my parents still together, still together to this day. Yeah. Uh, I've got three younger brothers. Um, but my biggest thing was that I, I now know, looking back retrospectively, is that I had no self-worth. And obviously, you, you know about love languages. So my three are, uh, I need to be told. So you need to tell me that you love me. You, know, yeah. I, you either do or you don't. Like for me, when it comes to when I'm in a relationship with someone or anything like that, close relationship, I just need to know they like me so I never had that from my parents I never got told that they love me that they're proud of me so even when I was on modeling doing front of magazines playing football at a high level doing the podcast like never once been told proud of you good job nothing like that so I never really had that never been told I love you and again it sounds like poor Daniel but again if that's how you receive love you've never had that that's a big thing yeah um quality touch so quality time and physical touch and again I can't remember ever having a hug yeah so these three things of how I received love and wanted to be told about love I never got so that for me really is what it was I had a complete lack of self-worth and I was looking for things to validate my existence mm. so that basically sums up my my, t- my parents were amazing they did the best they could like an amazing upbringing genuinely amazing upbringing but this is the thing even though the, the, the parents are trying to show you how they love you in their way if it's not how you receive it it's going to go on deaf ears and that's what it was so my brothers are super successful have amazing jobs but for me I just didn't have what I needed. Yeah. Am I making sense with that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So because then that, that then I think a lot that. of people think when when it's trauma in air quotes or depression or anxiety or whatever, they, they, they think of macro things, they think of big things like, yeah. oh they've got to have been beaten up or they've got to have been abused or whatever. But we have these micro traumas all the time and particularly between zero and seven that we have them and people don't really realize until you actually go inside or you see a professional a therapist psychologist whatever that unpicks this stuff and you go back into it and realize that oh shit yeah that's what happened and now i'm living out these tendencies in my adult life so yeah so your your story is so similar to mine but my my, my manifested into a sex addiction okay yeah because that gives me all three of the things i needed yeah someone literally telling you I fancy you I like you like you're hot whatever it is yeah. and that's why I basically was doing the modelling I was literally doing modelling so people would like me that's yeah. it that's fundamentally yes I'm getting paid for it but I was literally doing it because oh people like me got myself, I did fitness competitions like seven on stage bodybuilding shows again because people like me but you get the quality t- um, physical touch and quality time Yeah. so basically that became my addiction and I literally was addicted to it because it gave me everything that I ever needed this mm-hmm. craving and this is the worst thing about it or the bizarre thing about it is when I was at my most depressed where my sex station was at its highest. Yeah. So yeah. you basically had this guy that basically is completely lost as a human being, shallow human, and basically I would just be essentially using people for my own validation. And it was just this vicious, vicious cycle. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that, that's, that, that's basically me in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's really, really interesting. So you went to, you obviously went out to the States, you did all that, then you came back. When did things start to switch for the better when did you start to make changes and start to come out of these tendencies and and start to really work on your mental well-being so i was 20 because you said earlier you said i'm not quite sure how i did it but i'm trying to get a bit of timeline and then we can start getting into how you did it yeah 100 so um obviously came back from america when i was 22 uh, and then basically 22 23 24 25 26 literally was 
on the edge. And you're 32 uh, now, I'm right? 32 now. Yeah, yeah, uh, then between 27 and 28 was when I was really bad depressed. And then from 28 onwards, I basically sort my shit out. And my trajectory was immense. Yeah. So the stuff that I was learning, the amount of books that I was reading, people literally couldn't believe the trajectory that I was at. Because I was, I, when I'm doing something, I do something. I think that's part of the dyslexic uh, thing. Like, uh, if, if I put my mind on something, I'm on it. Mm. And I was so, once I started to understand these things, and I was reading all about law of attraction, so I started off learning about law of attraction, started off learning all about these things. I just went down this rabbit hole, and I was like, where has this information been? And that was it. I was obsessed. So in the space of a year, I probably grew the same thing that take most people for three, four years. Yeah. So it's literally only been the last four years where I've literally gone into this, but now I'm all in the amount of information what I was know. the first thing what was the first thing where you thought oh this is really gonna this is gonna get me going this is gonna help me what can you can you can you remember was it was it a book was it some a piece of content that you consume was it something you read was it the career so it was a podcast um and if we podcast and really yeah, yeah. yeah so it's his podcast basically all about business because basically I, I remember it now to this day i was uh, in manchester i just finished working at this personal training company in manchester i had no clients uh i had nowhere to live uh, and I started to feel depressed again. Mm-hmm. So I was listening to his podcast, and it's a business podcast, and he just happened to mention a book called Law of Attraction by Michael Lozier. Bizarrely enough, I've had him on my podcast, which was nuts, because nice. this basically, he mentioned this book, he says, in passing, literally, Andy basically turned around and said, uh, one of the best books I've ever read in Law of Attraction is this book, the cover's shit. He's like, Michael, if you're listening, sort your cover out, it's awful. <laughs> he has now sorted the cover out, which is hilarious. Um, so I was like, right, buy it, and I got it. So then I bought this book, uh, read this book, all about Law of Attraction, uh, and I was like, oh my God, like I can, can take control of my thoughts and if I take control of my thoughts, and that's what it was, like, oh, I can take control of this. And that for me was like a light bulb moment, like I, I, can, I, can, I can choose what I'm thinking, I, I can take control of my thoughts. And I was like, oh, why didn't no one tell me I had a choice? Like all this internal dialogue that I had going on, I didn't know that I could hear it, I didn't know that I could control it, I didn't know I could use it to my advantage, I didn't know about energy, I didn't know about anything, I was like, what the hell is this? So I was like, right, and then started doing more research and I found Tony Robbins. Yeah. So I had 200 pounds in my name. So I had a lot of debt at this point as well. So while I was depressed, I had accumulated a lot of debt. So this is- That's another coping mechanism yes, though, isn't absolutely. it? Like sex addiction oh, or gambling mate, or whatever. Terrible. Yeah. I, so this, this is obviously my big depression. I'd come out of it a little bit and this is just when I started to slip down again. And that's when I really started to do something about it. Uh, so there was a Tony Robbins course. Uh, it cost, I think, 200 quid, 250 quid, something like that. And that's all I had in my bank account. I had a girlfriend at the time who says, I'm gonna pay for this course. And she went, no, you're not. I says, I am. And she says, you've got no fucking money. I says, someone's telling me I need to buy this course. Mm. So I bought it. Best thing I ever did. Yeah. Because basically it was an old cassette thing that had been converted. Um, and then I wrote down on my board, <coughs> my vision, I had a vision board. This, ex- this exact same board I've got here. Obviously it's not got the same stuff on it, but that yep. board is, is on, on my room. Uh, and basically I wrote down, um, what, did, what my goals was to, to have a new car, uh, to find a gym, build a successful business, and have a thousand pounds in my account, to be debt free and have a thousand pounds in my account, uh, 10,000 pounds, sorry, 10,000 pounds. And I had no right to have any of this stuff because I had nothing. Mm. But that was it, I set the ball in motion, looked at it every single day, I made the screensaver on my phone, and that was it. And then a year later, I'd come here to a spa, had all these clients, got myself a new car, um, and I had 10,000 pounds in my account, Boom. clear my debt, and I was in space for a year. Boom. So literally, let's it stick that with this and let's explain to the listeners and the audience the mechanisms of how this works because yep. this isn't a lot of people might listen to this and think, oh, that's airy fairy stuff. Mm. He wrote it down, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. I've heard it all before. But let's go into the mechanisms because I know but I the listeners shit. might not. This. Let's get into the deep science and mental stuff of why this works. Yep. Go for it. So 
there's a thing called the reticular activating system in your brain. So people may or may not know about that. So we've all experienced this in some way, shape, or form. So if, for example, the you red car. exactly, <laughs> I was going to go yellow car. Let's oh, go okay, let's, car. <laughs> let's say, but, but, but let's say, let, let's say you bought yourself a new car. So let's say you bought yourself a limited edition red Audi. Audi A1, limited edition red. And it's like, oh, no one's ever had this car. I've never seen this before. You'll buy it, and then you'll see it everywhere. And you're like, where's this come from? And Or if you want something, like a watch or something, you'll see people wearing that watch. Because there's a part of the brain that basically, wherever your attention goes, your energy flows. So basically, you've got to think, your brain's got so much input. I think it's like 5 million things per second your eyes can comprehend. Mm. So your brain has to have some sort of mechanism to filter what you're paying attention to. Because there's no way you can pay attention to all these things. You can't. So... The reticular activating system, you're basically saying, this is important to me, pay attention to this. So then what you're doing is you're focusing on the things that are that important. So you will notice opportunities that have always been there, but you weren't paying attention to. You'll notice people, things, and events. Now, when it comes to the law of attraction and um, thinking about things, so thought energy is still, like thought is energy. Mm. So you've got stagnant thought where you just think about nothing. There's, there's nothing there, it's just energy. But if you can direct that energy you are actually then harnessing that energy and you're putting it out there into the universe. So again, it's one of those things where it does sound namby-pamby, airy-fairy, but it's all now backed up by science. Yeah. Like you look at these things, like the, the, the quantum physics, it, it shows that these things are real. And again, we are all energetic beings. Yeah, like everything's energy. Everything's energy. <laughs> and this is the thing. This microphone, this exactly, desk. Everything is energy. <laughs> so when you understand that, so thoughts are energy. So then if you can then concentrate on it, and again, you've got the law of attraction and you take it a step further, you've got the law of assumption which is a whole other ball game. So law of attraction is basically where you're, you're putting out positive, you get positive back. And again, I fully believe that's all to do with the reticular activating system. You put positive thought energy out there, and it's just going to come back tenfold. Like energy, like for like, like you put positive out there, it comes back. But then you've also got the law of assumption, where if you assume that you've already got something, what you're doing is you're telling your brain, this is my life, because mm. your brain doesn't know the difference between a thought and reality. So when you're having a nightmare and you wake up in the middle of the night and you literally heart's pounding, like you are being chased by a lion and your palms are sweaty, you've had a physical reaction to the thoughts because the body doesn't know the difference. Yeah. And it just hasn't got a clue. It just thinks that the thoughts are real. So if you're thinking that you've got your dream car and you're sat there and you're visualizing that you've got it with all your senses, you can smell the leather, you can feel it, you can touch it. You're looking around, you can see your girlfriend or your wife or your kid in the car next to you. You're moving the mirror. You are literally immersing your thoughts your, your literal, your, your mental being into the future and your body will think that that's reality. Yep. So then everything in your being will push you towards that reality and things will start to move toward, things will start coming towards you with the law of attraction that will attract you towards that thing. Yep. But you have to fully go into it and you have to immerse yourself into it and you have to have the feeling as if you've already got it. But again, you can't do this with crazy things. Like, for example, if I, I can't dream of being an NBA player. Yeah, it's not yeah, realistic. Yeah. So it has to be realistic to you. So what I say to people is always start off small. So if you've got no money in your bank account right now, nothing, just imagine you've got a thousand pounds. Just start off with that and literally just close your eyes, visualize what it would be like to open up your phone. So you're literally visualizing, you're opening up your phone. Let's say I've got Monzo. I visualize myself, put my thumb on my phone. It unlocks, bottom right-hand side, click on Monzo. There's the account. And I literally, with my thumb, I count how many zeros are there. One, zero, zero, zero. So you're literally doing it and it's there. It's in your hands, your physical phone, so you can see that's where it is. But you're not worrying about the how. You just know this already happened. Yeah. And again, it already has it, happened. It already has happened. <laughs> and, and this is where people, where people understand when it's like when it comes, we dig deep into this, like thought energy. Like, what is thought? Like, it comes from the universal energy, the universal mind. And any thought that ever has been and ever will be is in that energy. Yeah. So, everything like this microphone, the, the laptop, the, 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 the phone, the car was once a thought. People don't just have thoughts. 
they download the thoughts from this eternal energy. Yeah. And again, this is where it sounds a bit nuts and people get lost with it, but it's there. And your subconscious is an infinite pool of this. So the power of the meditation is, for me, you just clear your mind and you let the energy come through you. If you're in a place where you can actually allow it to happen, like you, you are aware, this is what I want. You've got to know what you want first. Yeah. It will come to you. I can't, I can't describe it any better. Oh than that. no, it's, yeah, it's, it's, no, it's, it's a amazing. Bit, until you've experienced it, people do think you're nuts. That's it. But that's it's it. but, but, the, but, but what I say to you is, sorry, if people think it's nuts and you're not happy with your life right now, you have nothing to lose. So just try, try it. it. You just took the words out of my mouth. Yeah. Just try it. Just give it a go. Um, and your story of what happened to you is, is pretty much identical to mine. And I did the same thing. 2013, I had no money and I needed to grow business. I knew I needed to improve on business because I'd been a self-employed PT for like two years. But I was just kind of going through the motions, relying on word of mouth, all that kind of stuff. And I came across, a, across an American company you might have heard of them called MPE, Net Profit Explosion. I don't know. Uh, so I went and I did a, a course with them and it was expensive. It's five grand. And I, and I put it all on a credit card. I got a credit card, slapped it on a credit card. But like you said, it's the best thing I ever did. And one of their big things before before we did anything was what are, you, what are your core values? What's your mission on this earth? And what's your vision? Mm-hmm. Your, your, your six months, your one year, your five year vision. I was like, what the fuck is this? This is like stupid. This ain't going to work kind of stuff. But I wrote down what I thought my core values were. I wrote down my mission, what I wanted to stand for. And I'm very much the same as you. I want to help people. That's all I ever want to do is help people to be better versions of themselves. So I put all this down. And then I remember writing my uh, one, one, three and five year vision down. And I wrote it down. I must have looked at it quite a lot of times, but then I just buried it away. And then in 2015 and kind of, split up with my ex and then I met Sarah who's my now wife and things uh, progressed from there and then I was digging through some stuff when I was moving house with Sarah pulled out this one year three year and five year vision that I wrote down a few years ago and every single thing on it had come to fruition everything so if that don't prove it and you've got the same thing and we're not the only two people there's thousands if not millions of people that this has happened to this is the thing people want to change their external environment you can't change external. No. All you can Gotta do is change in. the internal. Yeah. That's all you can do. And people are looking for these answers externally. And this is what I say to people, if you are struggling, like just hearing what we're talking about now should be so empowering to you because rather than you relying on other things or other people, you have complete control over your destiny. The problem is we're not taught this information. Mm. We're not taught how to actually take control of our thoughts. Like, and it's so bizarre. Once you go down that rabbit hole, and this thing when it comes to meditation, visualization, all that sort of stuff like vision boards, there's a reason why they work. But the problem is people only get a little bit of the information. So yeah. they're told, okay, just write, just draw a vision board. Okay, well, that's not gonna, that's going to do nothing. No, yeah, that will yeah. do absolutely nothing. Writing down your five, 10-year goal, that will do absolutely nothing unless you actually, first of all, believe you can do it, but you're emotionally attached to why you want yeah, to do yeah. it. So it's clearly at some point- And live it and embody it, exactly, isn't it? But, but, that, but, with that, you, but right there, when you wrote those five, 10, you'd spent five grand which you didn't have. So when you were doing that course and you wrote them down, your, your thing was, well, I have to do it. So you were emotionally invested in it, so you had to do it. So this guy's, basically, if you do ABC, a, you'll get X, Y, and Z. So they're telling you to do ABC. Right, one year, go, fuck, this could be fucking stupid, I don't do this. But right, okay, he's telling me to do it, I'm gonna do it. So you were emotionally invested in that, so you clearly had wrote it down with some sort of passion, and, mm. and then you get it. But if you just sort of wrote down there, if I said to you, right, just write it down, and you're like, for free, I said to you right now, do it, and you never heard of it, you'll be like, 
Why, what weirdo? Oh, yeah, well, yeah, if, yeah. I've got, if I've got to put something down, I mean, I'll put something down. But you've got no emotional engagement when that, in that. Your brain is not bothered. You, there's nothing about you that's engaged or um, got any sort of uh, connection with that. It's not going to happen. Mm. So this is the reason why vision boards don't work. This is the reason why affirmations don't work. Because people aren't told the full truth of how to make them work. They're just told little bits and wonder why it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I agree. Completely agree. That's amazing, mate. Amazing, amazing stuff that you've, you've gone over there. Uh, let's talk about then for somebody that's listening to this that is struggling that, that they might be where you were uh, what four years ago or ten years ago and they're they're really depressed or anxious or worried and they're they're just in a bad place what would be the initial steps to start making those changes and implementing some of this stuff that you've shared in the last last few minutes I think the biggest thing is start off you've got to identify where you actually are yeah. and be honest and take full honest inventory because for me I is was that acceptance would you say 100% you've yeah. got to accept 100% where you are so you've are. got to accept that you're depressed yeah and that because that was the biggest yeah. thing for me it's like I was in such denial such denial even up until three years ago I still kind of denied how bad I was when I was depressed and one of my clients was a high level mental health nurse so I spoke to her about it and she says well why don't you just tell me like how you actually felt and I explained it to her and she went you were really bad mm. like, you were actually really bad and I was just like oh Sake. I almost didn't want to say that. I almost like wanted just to be like I'd made it up somehow. But once you can, I just stop you yeah. one sec, and we'll come. I just want to nip in. Sorry to yeah, interrupt no, no. you. Before you say how to start implementing mm-hmm. it, for somebody that's maybe not experienced these feelings, mm-hmm. like for me, for example, I've had low days and I've, I've felt bad, but I've never say I've been depressed yeah. ever in my life. So for someone like myself or someone listening to this that hasn't ever felt these emotions. Can you just explain a little bit what it's like? And I know you said, oh, you didn't want to get out of bed, but mm. more like what, what are you really feeling? Like what, what, what is it like to, to be in this situation? And then we'll go on to how we can mm. implement these so, things. So, so I think for me, I think depression is different for everyone, like yeah. different, different, different degrees and different levels of it. Like, so I just want to first, first say that I, I was never uh, suicidal. Okay, I, didn't want, I didn't want to be here. But I never actively gone out my way to be like, well, this is how I'm going to do it. Da, da, da. In just case of if yeah. I didn't wake up, I'd have been happy, if that yeah, makes sense. But you. I didn't actively go out of my way to not wake up, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I just saw no pleasure in anything. Mm. Anything. And even talking about having a sex addiction, there was no real pleasure in it. It was yeah. just, slight, it was just an activity. a slight hit of feeling something. Yeah. And that's what it was. And then that chasing the dragon. Yeah, yeah. That, that's literally what it was. Yeah. But that's, that's, that, that's the reason I was addicted to it, because it's the only time I felt anything. Yeah. I was just completely And numb. the more you get that kind of little bit of feeling, the more you want yes, it and abso- want it. And yeah, that, yeah. that's what it was. But then you then have to get more of it to get the same thing because yeah. it's diminishing returns. Um, and so you, I just lost pleasure in everything. And the way that I describe it is, and I still do it now, like if anyone's seen the movie The Mask. Yeah. So every single morning I had to put on this mask to pretend to be okay. And it was exhausting. So some, normally now, now I, can, I can wake up. Love that. I'm yeah. glad you mentioned that. I, yeah, I, we'll I, come I, back to that. I, 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 I can wake up now. And I can shower, I can do my hair, get dressed, and leave the house in 15 minutes. But that would take me an hour and a half. That's no energy to do anything, lethargic, couldn't be bothered, and just, just slow at everything. Put this mask on, and then you pretend to be okay. So you go to work, pretend to be okay, being all happy, like, oh yeah, Mr. Model, yeah, 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 oh yeah, oh, yeah. you're looking so good, oh, amazing, step on stage, oh, thank you. Clients, oh, motivate them, motivate them, motivate them. And then you go home, take the mask off, and you are just fucked. Yeah. You are absolutely fucked, and then you, you've depleted your energy so much. You're not sleeping, even though you, all you want to do is sleep. You're not sleeping properly, and then the next day you're even more depleted than the day before. 
which then means you've got to use even more energy to try and put that same act on and it's just a repetitive compound cycle effect. and just compound effect <laughs> yeah. and it is just absolutely grim and everything looks grey you don't take any pleasure in anything um, it was just not a good place to be yeah and uh, this is why you've got to do uh, when the time is right for you and that prob- time is probably now this is why you've got to do something about it because it is exhausting and it will yeah. just weigh you down and weigh you down it's Even like more. that that uh, water uh, breaking yeah, the brick yeah, yeah. like the crack it will start small and then it'll get bigger and bigger and bigger until you're just absolutely at rock bottom or worst case scenario that we don't even want to say uh comes to mind so but, but this, this thing yeah for me, so like, you've got to take the all, all, all i want to do now with, with, with kids and people i've talked to is i i, I like an analogy to you falling down a cliff the problem is people just free fall mm. because they don't have any tools in their arsenal to actually stop them like and this is what I'm trying with the podcast and everything I do, and hopefully um, give information to your audience here today, is I just want people to have some sort of, some pickaxes. Yep. So if they're falling down that mountain, they could just grab a pickaxe and stick stop themselves, in. stick yeah. it in. And if that one just snaps, cool, got another one, another one, another one. They just hold themselves there. Like they're still in the shit paper, they're holding themselves there. They're not hit rock bottom. Mm. And then they can slowly work the way back up. Because the problem is the way, like I said, I liken it to like a bell curve, like an um, upside down bell curve. So you're sliding down. Once you get to that dark place, you're by yourself. Yeah. And no one can help you. Yeah. And again, I always use. It, I always say that if I'd come back right now, if I time snap my fingers and I time travelled back to tell myself, "Listen, you're going to be okay. You just need to do X, Y, and Z," I would have told myself to go fuck myself. Even yeah. though I'd have been like, "Well, what are you doing here, Daniel, from the future?" No, no, I'd have been like, "Fuck off," because yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. want to hear it. Because yeah. when you're in that low point, and I said that's where people unfortunately don't come out of that. Mm. But if you can catch people on the way down, or when they slightly come out of the bottom, you can grab them by the scruff of the neck and pull them through. That's what you've got to try and do. Yeah, but people don't get given the tools. So I'm much rather be proactive than reactive. But the problem is, once you're in that bell curve, it's a lot steeper to come out than it is going in. Mm. Like going in, it's just a slow, gradual burner, slow, gradual burner. But actually, coming out, the fucking cliffs, like it's hard. Yeah, because there's so much work you've got to do on it, and it's really hard to point your, your the finger back on yourself. Because ultimately, once you realise, people may offend some people here. It's it's our fault. Yeah. Now. The situation that may comes not, back to acceptance. Yeah, hundred percent. No, may not. No, the situation may not have been our fault, but it is our fault that we allowed this situation to get to, out of control. Yeah. Unless, for example, there's a, a chemical imbalance. Mm. So that kind of depression with a chemical imbalance, nothing can do about that. That's just happens to be really fucking unfortunate. But for most people, what's happened is like a ship. It can't be sunk unless the water is allowed to get inside. Like no one can make you depressed or make you feel a certain way unless you allow them to. So once you realise that these situations have happened because you've allowed them to, because you've allowed yourself to torture yourself like a piece of shit, and it compounds since secondary school, and for 15 years you've been talking to yourself like a piece of shit, it's hard. It's hard to accept once you understand, what, you mean I've been in control of how I've been talking to myself this whole time? What, you mean I've been making the situation worse? You mean it's been me that's been keeping me in bed? Once you realise that, it's it's hard. It's a bitter pill to swallow. Yeah. Because you want to then get even more mad at yourself when you're trying to give yourself a bit of compassion. It's just like, what the fuck? Mm. And that's the problem. People don't like to hear that. Yeah. But it is the most empowering thing. It fucking sucks, but it's empowering because that means you can do something about it. Yeah. And that's when, again, you search for a professional. You reach out and say, what do you do about that? Reach out to someone. It's really important you reach out to the right person. Yeah. So we've all got friends that we claim are our best friends, yet you don't trust them. 
Yeah. You know they're a fucking bitch. You know they might sleep with your partner. You know they talk shit behind your back, but you still call them your best friend. They are not the people that you want to go and talk to. The people you want to talk to are those friends that you kind of know know about this stuff. You kind of talk to them over now and again, but actually, if someone had a gun to your head, you would trust them. Mm. I feel like we've all got those friends. Mm. And we don't give them as much credit as they deserve. Yeah. Am I making sense with yeah, this? Like we've, all, we've, yeah, we've all got 100%. them friends, but you know actually... Push Sometimes, though, I'll, I'll throw this into the mix. Sometimes a complete stranger. Yeah. Somebody that knows fuck all 100%, about 100%. 100%. Yeah. So my next point there, if you don't have one of those people, go to a complete stranger. Yeah. Someone that won't judge you, but then you have to open up and have to start talking. But if you tell the wrong person, it could be disastrous. Mm. But if you tell the right person, again, if you don't know anyone, pay for a professional. 100%. Pay for a professional to talk to you, or, or talk to and b- bounce off. Because sometimes just the act of talking you can see things for what they are. Also, if you, another thing with this is just writing things down. So journaling, not even necessarily gratitude journaling, but that's a, that's, that's a massive tool. Like, to yeah, but worry. just <laughs> actual journaling, journaling, because what I say to it, and this is the biggest thing, when people get these negative thoughts inside their head, like a thought lasts 60 seconds. A thought only ruminates if you give it your energy, if you hook onto it and give it your energy. So what happens is most people have these thoughts go through their head and it's like a washing machine, just going round and round and round and more clothes are getting added, more clothes, more thoughts, more thoughts, more thoughts, and it compounds. So it could go to a thought right now where you're looking at me and I'm like, I just look at him a bit weird. And then literally six seconds later, I'm like, oh my God, have I said something? Have I offended him? Da, da, da. And they go down the rabbit. And before you know it, I'm saying to myself, I'm going back to secondary school thinking, oh, remember that girl when she said that I had a massive head? And, and it all started from you looking at me in a way that's completely neutral. I've taken with it and I've gone down a rabbit hole and I'm three hours deep into like why I'm a horrible human being and don't deserve to be yeah, here. Yeah. But if you can just write it down, because what, what happens is like, you, I keep adding more thoughts and more thoughts. But if you can just write it down, so what I do now is if I'm starting to feel a certain way, I call it feeling prickly. So I feel a bit prickly. I write down, I'll start it by saying, today I'm feeling. And I literally start to write down how I'm feeling. Yeah. And it could be, today I'm feeling a little bit un- uneasy. How did I do this podcast? And he looked at me a little bit weird. Oh, did he look at me a little bit weird? I don't know if he looks a little bit weird. I think actually what I'm doing is, we're referring to my ex-girlfriend who looked at me this certain way. And you break it down. And before you know it, you write about three pages and you broke it down to its crux of, Ali didn't look at me weird. What I've done is I've made this story up about something that's happened in the past. I've attached this to it. And then you look at it and you're like, oh, well, that's weird. And you can have a little, because you've, you've completely deconstructed it yourself because that's what the brain does. You're just completely, mm. but then it loses its power because it's there on paper and it then is what it is. You can't then start adding stuff to it once it's there and you've written it down. You're like, oh, okay, so I've completely reacted to the situation. Okay, cool. You can laugh about it and then you move on. And I find that such a powerful tool just to get it out of your head again. I didn't know this until until I was out of it but my, my, my first thing is talk to people yeah. make sure you trust that person uh, and then you start to write down and notice where your thoughts go because mm-hmm. then you start to notice patterns is it always when you're around Ali that you start to feel a bit uneasy is it always around that one friend is it when your ex-boyfriend or when your current boyfriend or current partner says something to you that's a little bit tricky now getting into awareness so you're yes. being aware yeah absolutely because yeah. then you start to understand what causes you to be in a situation because you have to have awareness before you can do anything so the first thing you've got to accept where you're at then have the awareness so once you can understand your triggers, you then take back control, which is what it's all about. It's all about taking back control, but yeah. noting what triggers you, what caused you to do these things. Like, what place was I in when I kept calling people? Like, and I even get it now. Do you ever have feeling, um, someone says something to me, and I feel personally attacked, and it attacks, attacks me and uh, my self-worth. Sometimes I still go back to that default setting of, right, phone number, who's someone I can have sex with? Yeah. But now I've got the awareness, I'm like, oh... If I don't have a laugh about it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, motherfucker. But, and, and I literally have a laugh myself. Like, oh, nearly. You fucking nearly got me there. Mm. And I make a bit of a laugh and joke about it because I know what I'm doing and I know what I'm like. And I'll come in some days and I know I'm not feeling good. Like, even today before this podcast, like, it all seems before I do podcasts, I just seem to, I wasn't feeling great. 
But it's like, right, I've got my list of things to do. He's going to come in, he's going to crack on, do a list of things. Yeah. So I'm aware, I know. I'm not feeling great today, but I'll have a thing myself. You ain't fucking getting Awareness me. Awareness is a superpower, yeah. isn't it? You aren't fucking getting me. You aren't getting me today. Yeah. You're not getting me today. Like I'm in, tr- I'm in charge of this motherfucker. Fuck you. Yeah. You, sit, you, you Depression, fucking negative thoughts, you sit the fuck over there while I crack on my day. You ain't getting me today. I crack on. Yeah. It sounds bizarre. Do you want to talk about that? I sound like I'm nuts. <laughs> no, no, no. I, well, to some people maybe, but to me, I just get it. I get it. And there's so many things we could touch on there. And the awareness one is huge. And I've I mean, lost count of the amount of times it's been mentioned on this podcast because... So what have you learned then with that? So for me, the awareness <coughs> is about the, the med- meditation was the biggest yeah. thing for me. So we'll get into that and we'll get into journaling. But awareness, I think you gather awareness and you strengthen this skill of being aware in my opinion when you go down this this in air quotes spiritual path when you start to learn there's more to life than what we kind of experience with our five senses when you know that you are part of something greater and something Mm -hmm. bigger and when you realize that you have a purpose then you start to become more aware and then when you start putting these practices in place like meditation gratitude, forgiveness, acceptance, all these powerful things that we can do, visualization, uh, affirmations, all of this good stuff, then you start to, it's like a muscle. It's like mm-hmm. we go downstairs in the gym and start doing lat pull down strength on our lats or we do bicep curls to, to get the biceps going. I think you can increase that awareness like, like you would a muscle mm-hmm. and, get, and get it stronger. And when you do become aware, you've just explained it there, you can spot okay this thing's triggered me oh i'm being like this today oh i'm feeling experience of this particular emotion this is how people and then you can make the right decision and make the changes yes but also i'll add this onto this is a lot of people they're scared to sit in that emotion so you might be having anger you might be having anxiety you might be having fear you might be having worry or you might be having the complete opposite you might be having joy happiness enlightenment and they want to come away from it or they want to get away from it as quickly as possible and sometimes you've just got to sit in that Mm -hmm. but like you said what 20 minutes ago it's like how long are you going to be in it so i'd rather spend 95 percent of my time in joy and happiness and five percent in anger and fear and worry Mm -hmm. uh and, and a small amount of time so if i'm if i'm only doing it for an hour or so Whereas before it used to be the whole day would be fucked when I felt angry. Happy days, I'm making progress. And that is awareness, knowing that you you can sit in an emotion, but you can also be in it for, be in the good emotions, air quotes good, or positive emotions longer, and the negative emotions for less time. But we still need balance and we still need equilibrium. Uh, that's like the law of polarity, I guess. So we need that negative and positive to make the world go round. But I think a lot of people, they're like, oh, I'm angry. And they don't sit in it for long enough and, and, and absorb it. And I don't think people, people realize that they are angry. Mm. I think if you look at a lot of people and you just walk around your city center, just look at most people, they are so in their own thoughts, they don't know what's going on. Yeah. And this is the biggest superpower you can give yourself is awareness of your thoughts. So it's understanding that if you're angry, okay, let yourself be angry. And there's nothing wrong with being angry. And what the problem is, people try and suppress it down. Yeah. So they don't want to feel. So yeah, they will I think drink. that's what I was like. Yeah. They, yeah, they, they, yeah they, they will use drink. They will use sex. They will yeah. use um, drugs. Whatever it is, TV, TV series, they'll do anything they can to just not feel. But actually, if you can feel and just sit with it and realize that, that that anger, that pain, that hurt 
isn't actually going to hurt you. It's just a completely normal feeling. And the more you try to resist something, the more it persists. So that's the biggest thing. People try to suppress these emotions down. The more you try and suppress it, I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel angry. I don't want to feel angry. The more you're giving it attention, when if you actually sit with it, you'll yeah, notice it will, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, will, it will dissipate so much quicker. Yeah. When if you try and numb it, it will sit there and it will grow and it will grow. And then it will come and bite you on the fucking ass and ruin your life. Mm. Whereas if you can actually sit there, just spend some time meditating on it and just sit like, right, this is what anger feels like. Yeah. Okay. And this is where questions are so important 100%. and so powerful. Like, yeah. Why am I feeling like this? And then you start to ask your questions and then you can start to peel away at the onion. But like you said, if we walked into Market Square or down Columbus Street or, or wherever, Times Square in New York, and we went up to 100 people each and said, oh, w- what's your purpose? What's your core values? Why are you here? Um, how are you feeling? They'd probably look at you like we asked them a, a complex maths but, question. But, but, but I, don't, I, don't even, I don't even necessarily think people need to go onto that, that, that level if they don't want to. I think when it comes to th- this sort of journey, I think that sort of stuff, people get freaked out by because they ain't got a fucking clue where to begin. Yeah. But imagine if we just stopped on the street and just said, how are you feeling? Mm. And then someone was like, yeah, I woke up this morning and I felt a little bit, a little bit tickly, a little bit prinkly, uh, prickly. And I know what it was because actually my partner said something to me last night and I thought about it. I woke up this morning, uh, sat with it. It wasn't too bad. Uh, I feel quite content now, actually. Um, not, I'm quite sad, but I'm okay. Rather than, how do you feel? I don't know. Mm. Sad. Like, just blanket umbrella terms. Because yeah. like, sadness That's is such an umbrella That's where honesty as well yeah. comes in, it's isn't such, it? So being honest with yourself and with others. I don't others. think it's honesty. I don't think people know. Talk, uh, there's an emotions wheel. And okay. I don't, I think, so I don't think so you, you reckon you don't... People don't know so what how is sadness? they're feeling. Yes, yeah, so a sudden happy, sad. What is sadness? Sadness is a blanket umbrella term. Mm. Like you can literally break it down. There's a thing called an emotions wheel. So if anyone's not going to Google, type an emotions wheel, you'll see a free wheel. And basically, it starts with at the, at the start. You've got four basic emotions like happy, sad, uneasy, whatever it is. And basically, from there, it then umbrellas out. So you break sadness down. You break it down into like six things, and then those six become. 12. So then you actually get to the crux of it. You're not feeling sad. You're feeling anxious, worried, nervous, stressed. Da, da, da. So you're not just sad. You're actually breaking down how you're actually feeling. Or you're not just happy. You're exuberant. You're exhilarated. You feel um, compelled, um, passionate, whatever it is. So you're not just happy or sad. You, you're feeling stressed, uneasy, um, unloved. And whatever it is, you actually can understand how you're feeling. This is my biggest thing while trying to work on my clients is you have to be able to identify your emotions properly. Mm. Just to say you're like, it's like me saying, how are you feeling? Unwell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What the fuck's that? Like, yeah. okay, so you're, un- so I know you're unwell. Cool. That's a negative. But what, what's wrong? Do you mean you've got a cold? Why then? Why then, Dan, do, particularly in, in the UK, why do we say, oh, how are you doing? I'm all right. Because no one gives a fuck. Or not bad. Because no one gives a fuck. Okay. If you, if literally, if you talk to someone and you say to me, how are you feeling? And I'm like, Ali, mate, do you know what? You're going to be like, mate, ain't got fucking time for this shit. Like, mm. I didn't ask for your life story. And how many times do we hear that? I didn't ask for your life story. Yeah. So yeah, people yeah. say, how are you doing? Where does that come from? They don't really want to Where know. Where does that come from? I don't know. I think people are too busy being busy. People okay. are busy being busy and people don't really care about other people. And this, and again, it's a sad truth. Now, don't get me wrong. There's exceptions to this. Mm. But most of the time, for example, there's someone I've just started talking to. Uh, she messaged me on Instagram and she literally turned around to me and says, like, you're the first person I've ever been able to openly talk about my mental health to. And I thought, oh, do you not have like friends or and for that oh yeah yeah i do but i don't really get it mm. i thought how sad is it that you can't open up to your you're literally having to talk to me and obviously it's amazing don't get me wrong i love it but it's like you should be able to talk to the people i don't think people if imagine if you just spoke to, like imagine just people to, how are you feeling oh, i'm feeling ali I, I need to really talk to you i'm, I'm not feeling great mm. but you're in your own headspace you've got your own shit going on because you're struggling as well so then me then saying that how, how can you help me when you can't help yourself it's mm. the blind leading the blind mm. so it's like 
people so the starting point would you say yourself you've got to do yourself work with with and on yourself first. yes first yes do, 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 do yourself first so for me it's totally that's what i'm all about yeah if, because no one's gonna come and save you mm. so let's say and right now i'm feeling deep down no one will ever understand Daniel like you no, understand no. Daniel. No one will ever understand you are Ali always, like I understand You are Ali. always going to be with yourself. Yeah. Till the day that you die, you're always going to be with yourself. So you need to understand yourself. People understand their favourite um, EastEnders character more than they know themselves yeah. or their favourite football player more than they know themselves. You need to know yourself more than anything else. You shouldn't be relying on someone else to say, how are you doing? Oh, I just need Ali to say to me, ask me how I'm doing and then I'll tell him that Ali can save me. No, it's not Ali's job to save me. It's my job to have the awareness. So then I can say to Ali, Ali, mate, I'm really struggling with X, Y and Z. It's making me feel A, B, C. Can you help me? And you're like, mate, no, I can't, but let's get some help. Let's let's talk to someone. Mm. But you've got to be able to articulate that. It's that communication. But it first comes with knowing yourself because then you can then other people can help you if that makes sense mm. um i think there's also a lot of this stuff now where people cry wolf with stuff and yeah, that's also so that, that also that, stops yeah. people from wanting to open up because people think that they're somehow um attention seeking or something like that so it stops people opening up so this is why i think it's really important that when you do open up it has to be with the right person yeah do you this might be a bit controversial but i'm going to say it anyway do you think i genuinely know and I genuinely believe that there are many, many people struggling and there are many people that have mental health issues and they're depressed and suicidal tendencies, PTSD, all of this kind of stuff. But do you, <laughs> hope I don't get in trouble for this, do you think some people wear the whole mental health thing as almost like an air quotes badge of honor? Like mm-hmm. they they um, they layer it on and they, they, they also, they're almost kind of attention seeking? Yes. Because I think that people really are struggling, don't post it on social media. Mm. When I was at my worst, I can't think of anything worse than sticking it on social media. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that people don't do that. Uh, Especially in this day and age, yeah, people yeah. put their whole life yeah, on yeah, social yeah. media. So, 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 so I'm not saying for a single second, yeah. I'm not saying for a single second that people that aren't struggling don't do that as mm. a massive cry for help. But then this is where it comes into knowing that person. Yeah. So if that person never posts anything like that, and they put Facebook status out, and you read that, and you're like, what the fuck? That's a cry for help. Yeah. But you know, for everything, oh my God, it's raining outside. Oh my God, I just want to kill myself, it's raining outside. Come okay. on, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, okay. Like, and this is where I don't think people do it deliberately or intentionally. Mm. I think people are, again, seeking validation. And Do you p- think people lack emotional intelligence? Yes, that's what's going to go with that, is that people don't know how they're feeling, so they will say they're feeling depressed. Now, feeling depressed is a feeling. You can feel depressed. If you've loved a loved one, so if you've lost a loved one, you are going to feel depressed. Mm. If you don't, I question certain things. But feeling depressed and having depression are two different things. When I go to public speak, I feel anxious. That doesn't mean I'm suffering with anxiety. And I think that's where people struggle with this. They will feel sad and or low for a very valid reason, and they'll say they're depressed. Mm. They're not depressed, they just don't know how, they don't have the emotional intelligence to articulate how they're feeling, and this is where it pisses me off with schools and stuff like that. We're not taught how to deal with that situation, so people will feel a certain way. But this is where for me it's like, I think all, like I said, but, but the thing, do I think people do it for, um, to wear that as a badge of honor? Um, 
I think I don't think the people that are really struggling are. I think some people potentially do, but you'll know the difference. Yeah. So for me, when I talk about being depressed, I don't do it to try and impress people. It's just a case of I'm just saying, listen, I kind of feel you. It is what it is. Because the worst thing that you can do is identify with that in any way. Yeah. Like identify That's with why being, I said earlier, I can't, because I, I've never yeah. experienced that. But, so but I'm not going to try. Even with anything, if you identify yourself as this happy person, that's also a negative. If you identify with yourself as someone who suffers mental health, if you just wear that thing, it's a very dangerous thing. It's mm. like, it shouldn't be something that you wear. It's just something that you're aware of. And as and when needed, you can bring it out to then talk about it. I don't walk around meeting everyone. Hi, I'm Daniel. I suffer with mental health. Mm. Hi, I'm Daniel. I used to be depressed. Hi, I'm Daniel. It's not, not about that. But if I'm talking to a client and they're struggling, I can literally just go into my shed, like, oh, okay cool right let's just remember how this feels put this 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 hat on okay cool there we go and talk about it i think that's the thing it's just understanding where a lot of people like to live in that space you don't want to live in it when we're talking about this now i'm not living in that space i'm visiting Mm. and that's the thing now is you're a visitor you don't live there the problem is a lot of people like to live there they like to live in that 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 horrible place and it's just like the the biggest thing for me is you can't wake someone who's pretending to be asleep so what i say to people is people say to me they're coming to me they're saying really really struggling if someone's really struggling that much and they are reaching out and then you tell them to do something and they don't do it, I then question how much they're struggling. Yeah. Because when, first of all, to ask to ask for help, first of all, you can't be in that dark hole if you're really asking for help. You've got to be slightly coming out of it or realize you're in. slightly going in, if that makes sense. You're either side. This is my personal opinion, by the way. Mm. You're either side of it. And the fact that you're reaching out means that you aren't in that, essentially dark place because most people don't know won't talk about it won't reach out for help at all so the fact they're reaching out they're either going in or they're coming out if you then say if they've really been that bad and they're asking for help and you tell them to do something and they then don't do it i then got a question how badly do they want to get out of that hole because for me if you told me daniel go outside and eat sand mate i'd have asked right what color sand where do we get it from how much we need to eat like i was and that's just what happened mm. literally when i found this information and you could help me i was fucking obsessed mm. But the problem is some people, they, 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 again, it, it's, it's a dangerous sort of situation to get into because people don't know how good good feels. And if they find this comfort in misery, it can be hard to try and come out, mm. which is why it's important to surround yourself with the right kind of people. Am yeah. I making sense of what I'm saying here? 100%. It, and I was going to lead me into a next question, which is similar to the badge of honor one. Do you think certain people are addicted to suffering? They just, they enjoy it. I don't think they enjoy it. I just don't think they know how to get out of it. So oh, if yeah. someone lacks validation, for example, so let's say for me with the sex, lost human being, lacks validation, just wanted someone to show me attention and love me. If someone's got that from misery, and every time they basically, so every time I say, Ali, mate, I feel like shit, and then you come over, you fucking cook me food, you fucking put your arm around me and say, mate, it's okay, and you actually show me, I'm going to be like, oh, right, okay, so, right. When I'm not feeling the same way, all I've got to say is just say this to Ali, and he's going to come around and do all this for me. I think some people potentially play on that. Mm. It's not that they enjoy it, but it gives them that fix of something they don't even know they're, tr- they're getting. Does that make sense? Because yeah. they're, they're in such a place of lack of emotional awareness, they don't realize why they're doing what they're doing. If that makes sense. I don't for a single second believe that anybody wants to be depressed. Mm. I don't believe for a single second anybody wants to not be okay. I just don't think people realize that that's where they're at. So it's very uncomfortable when you start to feel for the first time feelings. Mm. So some people just like to stay in the comfort zone because if they, if they don't feel anything, then they can't be hurt. So they like to just be neutral. I don't think they enjoy it, but it just kind of is. Like, I don't want to feel anything. I've been hurt in the past. I'm in my box. I'm now a neutral. I'm happy there. But my thing is, that's not living. That's not life. Yeah, exactly. And, that, and that's my thing. It's like, so people, I don't, people don't know any better. 
Mm. If that makes sense. I don't for a single second. I can't. I can't believe that anyone would want to be there. I just feel like they've not been shown a, a way out, or they don't think there's a way out. Does that make sense? Yeah. That? yeah. I've got so many questions coming in, so oh. I'm going to go with the first one. Do you think that there's 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 levels to how we're almost brought into this world or brought into life in terms of some people, no matter what they do they'll always be operating on like a, a five of, of happiness and then you'll meet some other people and they're so jolly and they're like a nine or a ten all the time. I know there's obviously variables and factors, but do you think that's just the way it is like with certain people, like they come in and like they're going to be a five no matter what, no, no matter how much journaling, meditation, help they get, they're always going to be on that level. I know it's a bit of a deep kind of philosophical, philosophical spiritual question, but where do you... No, so I, I, I believe that... Everyone's got the potential to be a 10. Everyone's got the potential to be a 10. Love um, it. So for me, it's like a, an air conditioning unit. So mm. you, air conditioning, it's set at a certain temperature. So the problem is right now, if, for example, I think... Well, let's just use it on a number scale. Let's say I think I'm a 5. Like, my identity is I am a 5. So again, we're going on the whole fucking rabbit hole of identity. That's literally the fundamental thing you've got to... Sh- fundamentally, what you've got to shift is your identity and how you actually t- see yourself. But let's say I'm a 5... I am sad, I'm always miserable, I'm never going to be happy. There's some very factual I ams, like my identity is that. So if then you're coming along and saying, no, Dan, you're a 10, I'm not a 10, I'm a 5. And I do no work on that, and you just give me everything that says I'm a 10, you can give it me as much as you want, but I will always go back to my default setting of being a 5. So what people have to do is they have to work on how they see themselves and say, maybe I'm a 5.5, maybe I'm a 6. Maybe I'm six and a half. And basically sort of build it up slowly from there. And then you can start to accept things. You can't accept things higher than what you are. This is when it comes to money and stuff like this. I know it's a slightly different topic. But if uh, you give me a million pounds and I think I'm only, I'm not worthy of being a millionaire and I think I'm meant to be poor, I am poor, I am broke, I am no good with money, then you're going to give me that. I'm going to go back to my default setting and I'm going to spend all my money because I'm not up to my level to that. I'm not on that level. You can only play on the level that you see yourself at. So if you're, you see yourself as a five and you're trying to give me information of a 10, I can't accept that until I accept that I'm a 10. But you slowly build your way up to it, if that makes sense. So some of this yeah. information we spoke about will be over people's heads because they may be at a five. Okay, cool. Meet them on that level of being a five. But then you bring them up to five and a half, then a six, and slowly build them up because people will always go back to their default settings. Mm. And again, a default setting is conditioning and programming from childhood. Yeah. So if people literally like they're constantly on a 10, you could say to them, you're the fucking biggest piece of shit on the planet. I fucking hate you. I'm going to merge you. Okay, cool. Water, but I'm a ten. Yeah, back. but I'm a yeah, ten. Yeah. Like you've got to do some really dark stuff to get a ten to go down yeah. because they're conditioning, they're programming. The power of the subconscious is so powerful. It is the most powerful thing known to man, and we don't even know how to control it. The subconscious mind is literally like it is this om- om- omnipotent thing. It's like it's the, the the most powerful thing on the planet. The subconscious mind. So if your subconscious is filled with I'm a five, I'm a five, I'm a five, everything in your life will be a five. Mm. You have to undo that that conditioning, that programming, and it all comes back to looking at the belief systems from childhood. Yeah, so we've gone childhood, we've spoken a little bit about trauma, we've spoken about kind of almost reprogramming the mind. Let's talk about environment and society. How much of a role does that play in your in your mental well-being, your mental health? So I think as a child, uh, it plays a massive role because again, your environment, your conditioning, builds your belief system yeah. I think as an adult it plays less of a role yeah. because you have complete control if you don't like your environment or your surroundings you can change it mm. whereas a kid you can't but again it goes back to the awareness you've got the awareness of that um, but again it's understanding that if you surround yourself with five uh, fat friends you'll probably be the sixth 
five broke people, you'll probably be the sixth. So it's understanding your environment is a massive factor. However, your identity trumps your environment. Mm. Mm. Your identity trumps your environment. So a weed, you throw a weed wherever you want it to be. The weed's identity is I will thrive, I will survive no matter what. You throw the weed in any environment and it will thrive and survive. That's how we need to be. So you need to be so sure of yourself and your identity. I am this, I am this, I am this. So it doesn't matter about the environment because again, you've got the awareness to see what's going on so you don't engage in this. So you can put me in any situation and I will have the awareness to not be emotionally involved and engaged in that. I can be me. Whereas a lot of people, they will go into these environments and they get crushed by their environment. Yeah. The environment trumps their identity. Yeah. But it shouldn't. Your identity is the be all and end all. People try and chameleon and try and be this and that and try and fit in. It's not about fitting in. It's about you understanding who you are as a person. That's the most freeing, liberating thing. I believe that a lot of people are struggling when it comes to depression, anxiety, mental health, because they don't fundamentally know who they are. Mm. Their identity, they are so lost. They know they're meant for more. They know they're meant for better things, but they can't access that. They don't have the information, which will yeah, pisses Yeah, it goes back to what you said earlier about they're just placing all their worth on external things. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's like TV, social media, my jacket, a car, whatever. That's where they put all their worth into. Yeah, their environment. And yeah, and the environment. And, and like you said, you can change all that and you can even get rid of it and we can still be... The best version well, of myself. So, so, so said yesterday, yeah, I yeah. said that if, if, you, if I lost everything, I back myself. Yeah, so same. you can put me in the worst environment. I back myself to get myself out of that situation. Mm. Throw me into any environment, any situation. This is then also the problem where you stick people in, like, let's say you, you stick someone that's uh, super poor, got no self worth. You stick them in an environment of like super money, successful, wealthy people. If they don't know who they are, they're going to be molded into that environment. And they'll just lose themselves again. And this is why, again, I think you see a lot of celebrities where they suffer their mental health because especially from a young age, they don't know who they are. Yeah. They're told who to be. And it's not really who they are. And you've got this conflict about who you are versus who you actually really are. Yeah. And I think it's that uncertainty that causes people to doubt themselves, to have anxiety, to have depression because they're be the, the true authentic version of themselves. They don't know who that is. Yeah. And actually, when you can actually harness who that is, you know exactly who you are. It doesn't matter what environment or situation you're in. It doesn't matter who it is, what it is. You will know with the awareness of who you are and you can handle that situation how you want to handle that situation rather than letting that situation handle you. We all know this to be true. Like anyone that comes to go on to fat loss diets, again, I know yours are a fitness podcast as well like when it comes to fat loss everyone knows the power of changing their environment oh, i'm not gonna have any chocolate bars in the house how long does that last because their identity i'm still a fat person i'm still fat i'm no good i'm always gonna be fat da, da, da. identity always trumps environment mm. you can put that person in the most perfect environment but they will always go back to the default settings the same with addicts i'm an addict i'm addicted to this i'm addicted to that. you can literally move them to another city another city. they will always go back to their default identity until you identify so until you uh, have the awareness of your identity and how you see yourself and until you shift that identity you will always go back to default no matter how much you try and change the environment yeah does that make sense make yeah. sense that. and I, i'm just going to play devil's advocate for a second and i don't want to sound pessimistic because i'm the least pessimistic pe person you'll you'll meet but with with all that we're subjected to and how society's set up, it's very difficult, isn't it, for people to, to find themselves Mate. and find that identity? Because I would say, <laughs> I don't want to sound like a crazy person, but I'd say it's like a, almost like a setup. Like you, you, Mate, they're setting it, people it, oh, up to, to, to fail and to, to, to be doomed and to see themselves and tell themselves this story of I'm a piece of shit or I'm fat or whatever. And um, and not only are they saying it to themselves, but they're seeing it in adverts on social media, uh, when they're at work, all this kind of stuff. So, as me playing devil's advocate, how do we 
how do we still find ourselves, find our truest self and find our identity with all this bombardment of fucking shit we're subjected to on a second by second, minute by minute, day mm-hmm. by day basis? Um, first of all, I'm glad you brought that point up. The um, Anything I'm talking about here, and I say it on my podcast with all my guests and stuff, it sounds easy. I make it sound so, so simple and it's so, not. so easy. It is in principle, but it's fucking hard. Fucking hard. It's yeah, fucking yeah. hard. Like yeah. it is, it is that simple, but it's not. And that's sense. why people sometimes. Stir- I said this on Mikey's podcast, and I think that's coming out today. So people will point people in the direction of that, and I'd love for you to listen to it. But I said a similar thing. I said, he, he asked me why people don't do it because it's fucking hard, yeah. and working on yourself and stripping away the onion and finding your truest self and diving into trauma and pain and those dark stuff and the shadows. It's Why would you want difficult. to do that when you can go and watch fucking Netflix? Netflix. Why? Yeah. Why would you want to do that? That, that, that? that sounds that sounds really hard work. Why don't you go buy yourself a new iPhone? Oh, that sounds really really hard. Why don't you go treat yourself to a holiday? Oh, that sounds really really hard. Here's some people on Tinder. Do you know what I mean like why would you why would you want to do that? Mm. But this is the point. And you, so you're completely right. And again, it sounds like a conspiracy theory. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's it, it's factual stuff. And I'm not going to go too much of a rabbit hole on your podcast, but um, people need to do more research into things. Like There is no money in fit, healthy, thought-provoking mm-hmm. people. Again, go back to the podcast I spoke about uh, yesterday on my podcast about the, uh, the schooling system. At school, you are basically not meant to be creative. They basically beat that out of you, so you're compliant. Worker. And you're, you're a worker. Yeah. So basically, you've got to think. So from when me and you were at school, <clears throat> you had a Nokia 3310 that had Snake. That's yeah. probably as high, as high as it went, technology-wise. What was your top score? It's in the meantime, in those years, we've now got these phones where they are ridiculous. The power they've got oh, is yeah. unreal. Yeah, the schooling system is exactly the same. Mm. Exactly the same. That should tell you something. They don't want you to be free creative thinking. The reason why it's so hard to do all this stuff is because it is programmed for you to want to buy things. You are not good enough, Ali, unless you have the latest car. Ali, you are not good enough unless you've got the latest phone. Ali, you are not good enough unless X, Y, and Z. You've got to have a house. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. And if you don't, 10, you're not good enough. Followers yeah, you're not. You're not good enough. Yeah. You're not good enough at all. You have no opinion. Your opinion doesn't matter. Nothing matters because you don't have this many followers. You don't have this car. You don't have this. You don't have that. You don't have that. Your worth as a human being is determined by all of these things, and it costs you money. So you better get to work, and that's what it is. So no matter what people try and do, this this is where, where it's for me. <clears throat> You've got to unplug yourself from the Matrix. Mm. The Matrix was not a movie. It was a documentary. Yeah. No one can convince me otherwise. It was literally a documentary, and. Because what, what's happening is people are so plugged in, they can't see. So what I say to people is, whatever people around you are doing, do the opposite. Mm. Like, look at social media. Just look at social media. Get yourself off social media for a week. I use, I, I use social media as business media. I've got a virtual assistant that works for me. I hardly touch social media anymore. But you need to get yourself away from what other people are doing. Like, if people are sat there watching Netflix, don't go watch Netflix. Go to the gym. Go for a walk. Read some books. Actually read some books. Like, the information is in books. I cannot tell you how much you, learn, you can learn from books. And let's just reiterate, this is coming from somebody that's dyslexic, dyslexic, never read a book until he was 21, and he's telling you to read fucking books The best now. book, if anyone <laughs> wants a book to, to start off reading, The Art of Being Brilliant by Andy Cope. It is literally almost like a child's book. It's not. It's, I've read that book. And I'm not joking. Podcast, yeah, right? he's, been my, yeah. he's been on my podcast. He's been on my podcast. The guy's are incredible. He's now, actually, he's, he's now actually a doctor. Um, so reading his book, it's... I've read it 15 times and that's not an exaggeration. I've literally read it 15 times. Um, and every time I read it, I learn something new because the deeper I go down the They're rabbit the hole, books. yeah, the deeper I go down the rabbit hole, the more I realize is in that book that I didn't realize. So if you don't know anything about mental health, anything about spirituality, anything about mindfulness, read the book and you'll get what you need to. 
come back to it after you've done some work and you'll pick more information out of it. It's one of those books. It's got some really deep principles in it. Mm. But it's understanding that it's no one's responsibility to look after yourself but you. You need to understand the mainstream media is not your friend. Like everything that's going on in society, you don't need the latest iPhone. You don't need the latest gadgets. You don't need the latest anything. All you need is yourself and to love yourself and then you will be okay because you will figure it out. Mm. It's as simple as that. And once you figure yourself out, your relationship with your partner, with your friends, with your work, with your workforce and your relationship with the world will completely change because you will see things for what they are. You will see the news is trying to perpetuate fear because you will read something and you will notice this is making me feel really uneasy. The problem is you didn't notice it before. Yeah. You will notice that when you're in a work environment, your boss will say something and it will make you feel like a piece of shit. But you'll notice you've made yourself feel like a piece of shit. Your boss hasn't done it. Your boss has just said something. You've created a story and a narrative around it and then you somehow hate your boss for something he hasn't done. Once you understand you're in complete control of your thoughts and how you respond to situations, you become free and you unplug from the matrix. You can then choose if you want to participate in social media you can choose if you want to participate in tinder you can participate because you're choosing yeah. you're not just doing it because you're part of a subconscious machine mm. like you need to understand you just need to follow the money the amount the amount of money that people are spending on keeping your eyes fixed on the things it should tell you something they want you to consume they want you to spend money there is they, they want you to spend money because if you get into debt you make them even more money yeah there's no there's nothing powerful about people that f- f- well I say powerful to them about people that have got money and can think critically. So honestly, just please, like, just do. I know it's not like a nutter, but please, if you're not in a good place, just trust me on this. Unplug. Just, just, just unplug. Mm. Start working on yourself. Start turning inwards, and it will completely change your life for the better. Yeah. Because you just become free. It's like you're wearing this massive rucksack, especially if you've gone through trauma as a child. Like, especially if you've gone through trauma as a child. Like, you need to take that rucksack off. You need to unpack that rucksack. You've yeah. been carrying this rucksack around your entire life. Rucksack full of rocks. <laughs> rucksack full of rocks that don't serve you. And again, it's understanding that that stuff that happened to you, you didn't deserve it. It wasn't right and it wasn't your fault. But it's time now as an adult to unpack that. Yeah. Just, just, just get, get, take it out of your backpack. Get professional help and start to work on yourself. Start to get rid of all that fucking bullshit and from childhood It's the most empower, empowering thing yeah. you can do. Yeah. And you'll just feel fucking incredible. I mean... You, you're the same. You've done it the last four years since you was 28. And mine started when I was 28 as well, 2015, so six years ago. That's when everything shifted for me. And that's when I really started to work on all aspects of my health and well-being. And I know we'll touch on it on your podcast, but the last six years of my life have been the best years of my life, and but also the hardest, when, when, the when, most when, when I turned 30, people said, oh my God, you, you were about to turn 30. I was like, mate, the best years of my life. Yeah. I literally, when I turned 30, I was like, I'm, mate, I, was like, I am living up. I wasted 28 years of my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I say wasted, it's all been a lesson, but I literally, for 28 years, I just existed. Mm. Literally just existed. Going through the motions. Going through the motions. Mm. So when I turned 30, I was two years deep into this, and I was like, oh, I was like, mate, I'm fucking buzzing for it. Yeah. I was like, I'm literally, and I was like, yeah, we're getting old. No, fuck off, I'm getting old. I'm literally loving life. I've wasted so long in my life now, I'm absolutely loving it. And again, I don't always feel amazing. I don't always have amazing days, but I am 99.9% better than I was, and I will have maybe a bad few hours now, and it'll happen every couple of months, rather than it being my entire every life. single second. So again, yeah, I'm yeah. not perfect, but I just know myself, and I back myself in any situation, and I take full responsibility of anything that happens, like, because ultimately, it's down to me. Like, yeah. My life is down to me and no one else. I can't control other people, but I can control my, re- my response to that and my reaction to what they say, mm-hmm. and it's just completely empowering because it puts me in complete control. Fucking love it, mate. Might drop. Which, yeah. <laughs> no, I've still got more because I want to get into some of the practices that I know you do because I've listened to your podcast. So I know that you do two huge practices that I do and I want to get into them. Mm-hmm. So the first one's meditation. 
and I'm the biggest advocate of meditation. If you scroll through my Instagram, you just see me speaking about meditation all the time. Changed my life. And meditation has changed my life as well. So talk to me about, firstly, how you found meditation and then what your, in air quotes, meditation practice involves, looks like, feels like, is like. So, Let's do it. So, so for me, um, I, this even before I became depressed, I, I did like mindfulness courses. Yeah. Still didn't really quite understand it, I don't think. Um, what does before you tell me about meditation? What does mindfulness mean to you? So if I had to say, Dan, what's mindfulness? Describe it to me. What what is it for you? Because everyone's got a different uh, definition, and there's an Oxford definition. But what's your definition of mindfulness? Just being aware in the moment. It's just being literally mi- mindful. Yeah. So being in any situation, just being aware of what's going on, and just been having an awareness of the situation, the surroundings, and myself. So just basically being able to check in myself and just be like, how am I feeling? That for me is mindfulness. Just Perfect. be very mindful of myself and my surroundings. That's almost basically like awareness. I use awareness and probably mindfulness as two sort of things, like just, yeah. just checking in myself in the present moment. Um, but so I did a mindfulness pr- uh, practice um, and that's before my depression. Uh, but again, didn't really get too much into it. And then it was only afterwards I understood the purpose of meditation was not to turn your brain off. So people get frustrated because they think they can't meditate because they, they can't turn their brain off. You don't want to turn your brain off. If you turn your brain off, you're brain dead. Yeah. So you don't want to turn it off. The whole point of meditation is to become aware of your thoughts. And the more you go down the rabbit hole and the deeper your practices, you will then get to a space of still, which is still not turning your brain off. You're just in a place of stillness. But again, just like you said about being in the gym, it's like it's, it's about practicing. So when your mind wanders, good. Like that's li- literally like people get mad when their brain wanders and the mind, sorry, their mind wanders good it's meant to wander that's what the brain does mm. so rather than getting frustrated celebrate the fact your mind's wandered oh my god because again by you celebrating the fact it's wandered you've then noticed and gained awareness that your thoughts have wandered and then bring it back to the breath again mm. stay present your mind wanders celebrate it because you're celebrating it's wandered because you get oh, god, oh my brain's wandered oh good job because again you've been aware bring it back again and over time just like in the gym you build it up you'll notice it wanders less and less and less and then you'll sit there and you'll notice these ridiculous thoughts that pop up from primary school mm. and you just have a laugh about where the fuck has that come from and you can just laugh about it so now i see it I, wait uh, till you get on mushrooms yeah I, 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 <laughs> I got i got this i got to stage for me where uh, I, I used it like tinder so a thought would pop up i would see it and swipe I would literally, it i'd swipe it yeah i love that literally i'd swipe it just just just, just to get it out of the way just swipe swipe literally so it just wouldn't serve me so i wouldn't even engage a thought would come up i'd be sat there and i just literally even i just use the hand motion i just swipe it just swipe it out of the way get out of the way and i'll be it me moving on um and then what noticed was because it created space all these amazing thoughts would come in. Yes. All the good thoughts would come in. Or literally, I'd be walking throughout day-to-day life or in the middle of the gym, and this thought would pop into my head. And I'd be like, where the fuck's this come from? And I'd have the best thoughts ever. And it just made me very aware of myself and my body and what was going on. And it just gave me complete control. So I say that meditation was a thing that actually changed my life. Mm. Not all the other stuff. Meditation, because you're then sat there with yourself. And it is uncomfortable as fuck. And I liken it to a dog. I will literally... I'll be sat there, so I just start talking. Only, only 10 minutes, 10 minutes in the morning, sometimes in the evening. So always in the evening, sometimes in the morning. But I'll notice sometimes I don't want to do it. And normally when I'm in that headspace and I notice I'm feeling a bit prickly, I'll do a big 45-minute meditation on a Sunday. And I always want to get up. My mind is like, right, we're done now, we're done too, this is boring. And I will be like, shut the fuck up. I will literally say to myself, shut the fuck up and sit down. Yeah. I'm in control. We're fucking sitting here that thought will come up we're done we're not fucking done sit there and the same thought that comes in when I have my cold showers oh I don't have a cold shower today yeah. shut the fuck up that's your ego and your, not, and yeah. your true yeah. self I'm just like shut the fuck up we're doing it and I will literally that's how I talk to myself because I'm not having any bullshit I'm not I've had an, for 28 years you were in control so you're going to shut the fuck up now and you're going to listen to me we are meditating this is for me not for you 
and I just crack on and do it again. But that thought will pop up, oh, we don't do this anymore, this is boring, da da da, shh, silence. Mm. Just like a dog, I talk to myself like a dog. Sit down, shut up, crack on. Yeah. I, do it with, I do it with the cold showers as well. Sweet, sweet. So you say you just do 10 minutes at night. So what do you do? Do you just sit there and just literally be still? Just is sit that, there and be still. Yeah, and just focus on your yeah, breath. Just sit there and Got be still. Um, if I need to do something different, like visualization, I will. If I yeah. need to do a longer practice, I will. Uh, if I need to check in myself, I will. But normally, it's just 10 minutes just to, just to, just to clear, just to sit and just be. Mm. As weird as that sounds, I just like to just be. Yeah. With no senses, just, just be. Just, just sit there in silence with myself. Boom. Nice. Nice. And what's, what would you say is the, the, best, the best thing that's come out of meditation? You know, I know you said, oh, it's changed my life. But if you could pinpoint one thing that you think has come out of meditation, what's the best thing? The awareness of my thoughts. Nice. The awareness of my thoughts. So I notice now I've got the awareness and I can notice when my thoughts are wandering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can notice when I'm not feeling okay, but I can almost have a conversation with myself as weird as that, again, as weird as that sounds. I will notice and I will be able to have a conversation with myself and bring myself around, if that makes sense. Mm. Like I understand what's going on. I understand my emotions. I understand my feelings. I understand my thoughts and it puts me back in control. So it's just put me in complete control and awareness of what's going on. Do you think everyone should meditate? Yes. But I think if you've had trauma, because uh, a lot of people have PTSD and stuff like that when they close their eyes, just stare at a candle. Mm. So you can still meditate with your eyes open. So I say get a candle, even just stare at the wall, but just fixate in one place because you'll go into that headspace anyway. You're, if you're fixing on one spot, where it's, like, it's easy to do it with a candle. But if you're looking at a candle or something like that, you're not going to get the, the flashbacks and stuff that you're that are triggering you, but you'll go into that space where you'll still go into like a meditative, weird, like zoned out space, yeah. and you'll still have the same experience from your thoughts. So you can do it that way as well. Yeah, and if so. you've got any fear or worry or anxiety around actually starting meditation or doing it, then same as what we said earlier, seek out a professional, somebody okay. that can guide you through it or take you through that process. The Nottingham Buddhist Centre was the best thing that I did. Yeah. So they went to Nottingham Buddhist Centre and they taught me how to meditate properly because it turns out I was raising my head too much. So uh, basically, so took your head in a little bit and it's a complete change of practice. It yeah. changed how I sit. So I can't sit cross-legged, so I don't sit cross-legged. Uh, I sit on like a, a poof. Okay. Um, uh, like I basically straddle a poof. That sounds a bit weird. I straddle <laughs> a poof. Uh, straddle a poof. Um, uh, and that, that works fine for me. I sometimes do it sat in a chair, but I don't do it cross-legged. I'm not that flexible to do it. So you don't, can I. I just yeah. lie down. Yeah, so, 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 you don't, so you don't have to, to do it in that way. Uh, There's a guy called Craig Seaton as well. Do his, from his breath, shop, uh, breath workshops. He's absolutely incredible. The Wim Hof breathing, all that sort of stuff. But if people are nervous about doing it, just do it for five minutes. Mm. Just do it for five minutes. Just do a guided meditation. So someone will literally talk you through it. I love Headspace. I think it's brilliant. The guy yeah. that does Headspace, I love his voice. It's very therapeutic. Um, and there's also little cool cartoons that explain to you about how to meditate. So for me, I would just start off just five minutes. Don't try and do it for 10 minutes or 15 or 20 or anything yeah. crazy. Even just two minutes if you need to. Yeah. But just practice and slowly build up because everyone's got time to do it for two minutes or five minutes. And if you don't think you've got time to do it, that tells you that you do need to do it even more. 100%. Meditation is amazing. I love it. Life changer. Journaling. But that's changed your life as well, hasn't it? 100%. So <laughs> the, 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 the journaling is amazing. But, but this is the thing I say to people. Tell people, me about your journaling and so, why, when that started. So people want want all these, uh, to spend all this money on courses and books and stuff to, to work on their mental health. The two biggest things that are completely free 
is journaling, well, say it's free, it costs you five pounds. No, not even that. Pound from Wilco. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, you mean? And a pen. Yeah, this is a pound. Wilco's is like Walmart for all of my American listeners. It's so cheap. Just just get just get that. Just get yourself a pen and paper, and then meditation's free. Like, you, even if you can't afford Headspace, the app, there's a free version of it, and you can also do it on YouTube. But for me, gratitude journaling, again, is something that completely changed my life. And it's where people get it wrong. People say, I can't gratitude journal. I've got nothing to be grateful for. You do, 100%. Because if you are able to see, to write down the things, you should be grateful for your eyesight. If you have the ability to write, you have, again, you've got hands. So again, you're grateful for your hands. And if you've actually listened to this, you've got a phone. So three things straight away. Mm-hmm. So if you need to scrape the bottom of the barrel, scrape the bottom of the barrel. There'll always be something for you to be grateful for. The problem is we're told not to be grateful for things and not show gratitude because yeah, of exactly. head and all that sort of stuff. But this is where, again, people get gratitude journaling wrong. It's not about the act of writing down three things to be grateful for. You have to feel the feeling of gratitude as you are writing. Mm-hmm. So right now, when I go home tonight, like I am so grateful that I got to connect with Ali, and I will literally sit there and put myself back in the situation, and I will feel how it felt to be in this podcast. I'm so grateful for this podcast with Ali because da da da, and I write it down, and I'll explain why I'm so grateful for it. But the whole time, I'm trying to elicit that emotional response because again, we spoke about with the reticular activating system, the brain is fucking lazy. So if you're telling your brain every single evening we're going to do this gratitude stuff, the brain's going to be like, fuck this. Like mm. every night is going to make me think about what happened during the day. Like this is boring. So what's going to do is while you're living your life, the brain will be like, oh, something you're grateful for. And you will feel that feeling of gratitude in the moment. Yeah. It is the most bizarre, empowering thing. When you're walking throughout the street, someone will say something or something will happen. And in that moment, you will feel grateful that you've experienced or you've witnessed something. Yeah. Because the brain will be like, well, you're going to make me remember this later. So have the hit now so that we can remember. It's almost like you put in a, um, a, an asterisk or something like a, if you, in a book. You're just highlighting it to come back to later. That's all you're doing. The, body will, the brain will literally say, we're going to come back to this tonight. Bam, have this feeling of gratitude so you can remember it. So then you get back in the evening after you practice this, you're like, what am I grateful for today? Bam, straight away. Oh, yeah, actually, talking to Ali, then you write it down. But you have to elicit the feeling of gratitude in order for the gratitude to work. You can't just write it down. You can't just go through the motions. And also, don't just write down things that you're grateful for, like your phone. Don't write down material things. You want it to be experiences yeah. and events or, or, or feelings or things because things in like uh, people, people yeah, yeah, because yeah. It, like, it, if you write down I'm grateful for my house and your house burns down then you, but again what you could do is I'm grateful that I've built a life where I can live in this amazing house or where I can afford this house whatever it is so you're grateful for yourself and the fact you're able to afford this thing rather than that thing specifically so if you break your phone you'll, your world doesn't end if that makes sense yeah oh it's amazing massive so your practice is just literally at the end of the day I am grateful for one, three two, things. three. Uh, and then if there's something on my mind, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll journal it. Okay. So I'll be like, on my mind is, and I'll, then I'll do that thing. I've also got a journal that's literally right next to me here. So again, first thing in the morning, if I come and sit in here and I'm feeling a bit prickly, I will literally, today I'm feeling, and bam, I'll write that down. Yeah. So sometimes I journal twice. It just depends on how I'm feeling. Yeah, um, yeah. That one's just there, just like a, as a backup one. I don't normally tend to do it in the morning because um, normally I identify on the drive home, uh, drive to work. Uh, what's going on so I listen to uh, I've got a audio re- recording of uh, my uh, affirmations so I listen to that on the nice. it sounds nuts no it's not it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's brilliant uh, honestly on my phone people think I'm nuts on my phone when I talk about the future and I didn't talk about this earlier on so obviously I've got my my, my um, vision board on the back of my phone uh, you can sort of see there yeah and then I've also got an audio recording of me talking to myself from the future about what my life looks like. Yep, perfect. And I literally listen to that every single morning on the drive to work. Yeah, massive. So when I wake up, I literally wake up, shower, have my cold shower, have my cold shower, da da da, drive to work, listen to that, and it normally gets me out of a negative headspace. I come into work, uh, I have a first cup of coffee, and I'll read for 15 to 20 minutes. I always read. 
Um, and then if I'm still feeling a bit prickly, I'll do my journaling. Uh, journaling. But yeah, reading is a massive thing for me. Nice. Yeah. Slightly different to my practice, but still, gratitude is massive. And I just want to add this on for the for the guys listening, that you'll notice it. You'll notice the improvements off the back of meditation and journaling. But other people, even strangers, will notice differences oh. about you. Because you'll start people acting. Drawn to you. People yeah, get drawn to you. Yeah, because, again, it's just, if we want to get into quantum physics and, and the science side, that's what it is. It's just that... You're energy. building up that energy, yeah. And that, that aura, you could say, and that energetic field around you. And people are like, oh, I want to be around this person. Because they're positive and they're, they're giving off good vibes. And yeah, I mean, oh, meditation and journaling, I'll just go speaking about it till I'm blue in the face. Yeah. Because you've got to do it. You've got to do it. And you've got to do it regularly. And that's when you'll start to witness the magic. Mm -hmm. It's massive. And then reading's another one. I only started reading in 2018. That's when I started. 28 properly. I yeah, mean, I yeah. read at school and stuff, but really taking yeah, yeah, it seriously. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, 2018. Yeah, so, 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 like I said, I hadn't read the first book until I was 21 years old. But again, I didn't read properly until I was, uh, again, 28. So I started actually reading a book like I was being serious. Um, but now I just spent, the other day, I spent uh, £140 on a book. I spent £250 nice. on books. Like on, on a book, on a single book, not multiple books. One book, yeah, yeah. And £140 like, on book, on a book. Like that's yeah. how much I love reading. Um, I've read I was just checking now on my phone I wasn't being rude I was scrolling yeah. through my phone just uh, to see how many I've read so since January 2018 I've logged them all I've read 65 books yeah so pretty Meg, pretty yeah. good let's yeah, see yeah. what I understand plus I'm a desk here that I've got like yeah. I said I've got some downstairs so now my clients why do you think reading is so important I mean I, you're speaking to the converted but for the guys listening maybe they're not into reading they'd do you know what I used to say? I was guilty of this. I'd be like, why should I read the book when I can watch the film or watch the documentary or watch YouTube? And I hear that a lot now. And I just I cringe thinking that I used to say that because the book is always a million times better and you're always going to get so many more takeaways from the book. But just why is reading so, so powerful so I, to you? I and why is it so good? I can't read fiction. It has to be non-fiction. Yeah, I'm the same. Like it has to be, I have to learn something. So mm. for me, people say, don't like reading, find out what you're passionate about. And for me, the biggest thing that I say to my clients is, that's what I say, start with the art of being brilliant. Because once you start to understand about yourself and you're reading self-help and improvement books, you then will get addicted to it because you realize that all this information is out there and then it's stuff you can practically apply. And it's like, oh my God. So for me, reading is so important because you get people's lives to work and people that have been in the exact same situation as you and you can relate to it and then you learn from their experiences, so it saves you time. So I call people like that lighthouses in your life. There's, light, there's lighthouses everywhere. People that have been through stuff that you've been through and they will guide you and they'll say, these are rocks, don't go into these rocks. Or if you happen to be in these rocks, here's how to navigate out of it. Now again, you're not gonna resonate with every single person. Like I read a book the other day and it's a really good book. It's called Happy, Happy Sexy Millionaire. I don't know if you've heard of no, it. No, so no. basically about millionaire, actually it's what my tattoos, um, what my tattoos is, literally I read this caption in the book. They basically said, um, if you had a sand timer, Basically, it, it said that if you're uh, 30 years old and you live till you're 80, you've got roughly 300,000 hours left to live. And he says that if you had a sun timer that followed you around, how would you live your life? Mm. So I took that very metaphorically and I then got a sun timer tattooed on my arm going down to death to remind me every time I look at it, what am I doing in my life to move my life forward? Yeah. Now, there's some absolute golden nuggets in that book, but for a lot of it, I didn't agree with it. It was very opinionated yeah. and it didn't resonate with me at all. Uh, and I wouldn't recommend it to my clients because a lot of the stuff goes against stuff I know actually works, like on a deep spiritual level, scientific level, if that makes sense. Yeah, a lot yeah. of it was his opinion. It worked for him. I don't think it'd work for most of my clients. So that's the thing. You can read some of these books, um, but your stuff will resonate with you. Stuff yeah. won't resonate with you. Stuff Same resonate. with me. With um, You know, everyone raves about Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Yeah. 
I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. But I, there was one thing in the book that I did take away and I still use it now. And that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what did you take from that book? Uh, you know the bit about time management where you're like, oh, uh, in, urgent and not yep. important, important and yep, urgent, yep. all that kind of, yep. the quadrant. Yep, yeah, yep. That's, that was my biggest takeaway. The rest of it, I was like, so that's, that's the biggest thing for me. <laughs> like, for me, I say to people, start off with really broad books. For example, um, Good Vibes, Good Life by Vex King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good, easy book to understand. Again, The Law of Attraction by Michael Logier. But the first one I start off with is um, uh, The Art of Being Brilliant by Andy Cope. Read that. It's a really broad, easy book. And then it basically opens up the pathway for you to go down into deeper things. So that when you go further on down the line, like the seven things that highly affect people, I wouldn't start with that book because you're not going to know. You need to have a base knowledge yeah. and you then need to know where you're lacking. So then you can read books to help you with that certain area, if that mm. makes sense. And then all it'll be is just pick out little golden nuggets. And also read books on stuff that you know you need to maybe work on or improve oh, on. So for me, a couple of years ago, and we spoke about this yesterday, I knew I was fucking shit with money. I abused money got myself into debt didn't appreciate it and it wasn't that i didn't appreciate it i didn't know how it worked yep. i didn't understand money and i didn't know the the history of it i didn't know what it was all about so i knew that i needed to get some knowledge and gain some knowledge on money so i read ramit sethi uh i i will teach you how to be rich i've got this one here the automatic millionaire okay so david, david batch okay i haven't read that yeah. but i read ramit sethi and uh that book literally changed my whole outlook on money and then I've read probably, I don't know, another 10 books on money since because I knew it's where I needed to work on. And I've done the same in, pa in the past with sales and marketing. I knew I wasn't very good at it, so I needed to scrub up on it. Mm -hmm. And this year, I've, I've gone even more into the spiritual stuff and, and, and history because that's the stuff I'm really, really interested in. So find maybe what you want to work on or what you're passionate about, what you're interested in, and dive deep into that stuff. And there's, a, there's millions and trillions of books for yeah. every single thing. And Agreed. You don't even, again, you could do it for free. Yeah. I mean, I'll probably get in trouble, but um, you can go to certain websites and if people want to know what they are, send me a DM because but, I've got but for me, get, I, uh, got free websites. I, I, prefer, I actually prefer the hard copied books. Yeah, yeah, uh, so yeah. I talked to a client about it today. I can't read. On Kindle. On Kindle. So I've got Kindle. I, I alternate now. So a bit of Kindle and then a bit of a physical book. So I love a physical book, but I also find that I read faster on a Kindle. So and what? then you can also highlight stuff and then if I don't know a word, I can... So I, got my, I got my highlight pens yeah, yeah, but yeah. I also um, like to listen to audiobooks as well so yeah. I listen and read so I read a book and listen to the audiobook at the same mm. time so I get the audio and the visual at the same time nice 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 I need to get more into audiobooks my mate keeps saying you get so much more content if you listen to audio but save my audio for podcasts but I should get into audiobooks whilst we're staying on this book thing because I'm conscious of time and wrapping yep. things up you can't say Andy Cope's book give the audience, your three most gifted books or the three books you'd give to anyone or recommend to anyone? Uh, the Untethered Soul. I ain't got a clue who wrote that. Um, if, you, if you have a quick Google on that, well, uh, yeah, Untethered Google, Soul. The, the untethered Soul. Um, that's, that's, that's one of the books where, um, if you want to know more about spirituality, I think that's one definite book. Um, also, the- Michael Allen Singer. There you go, Michael Allen Singer. 100% so recommend that book. That is, that is definitely, um, after The Art of Being Brilliant, that is, I literally gift that to people. Um, that Love book, uh, uh, the power of now by Eckhart Tolle. Eckhart Tolle uh, yeah. But Classic. again, with, with, with that, that's a very deep book. Yeah. I don't recommend people start with it. It's too deep for people. So I would say you want to read something like the art being brilliant, then you're in the tethered soul. And then you want to hit that because that's a very hard hitting deep book. So mm. I, I think people 
try and read that and it's just very hard don't listen to the audiobook of that because it'll send you to sleep because the guy's voice is so yeah. drab. Uh, and then the final book will potentially be something along the lines of uh, Law of Attraction by Michael Ogier. It's literally called Perfect. The Law of Attraction. It's called The Law of Attraction, The Secrets Behind the Secret by Michael Ogier. Now, again, he just reprogrammed that. Like It wasn't didn't used to be called that, but uh, again, that's a fantastic book. Uh, it's really simple, really basic, but it explains uh, The Law of Attraction. It literally is, it's almost like a kid's book, but if you don't know anything about The Law of Attraction, that is definitely one I'd recommend. Perfect. Three amazing books. Uh, think of any red one of them. Yeah, I said the, the, the law of attraction. Yeah, any one, red, the uh, law of attraction one would that's be it. the law of attraction one would be too basic for you. Uh, but if people have never heard about it. That's the one you want. It just it really basically explains it on the most simple. It's literally like a child's book, but it explains it so perfectly. Wicked, wicked. So you're giving the audience three books, mainly because the focus of this podcast has been around, I'd say, mental health and mental well-being. Let's give the listeners actionable steps. So if they just turned off now, said I've had enough of Ali and Dan, mm. if they've made it this far, <laughs> fucking hell. Um, so if they just turned it off now and you could only leave them with three top tips to improve their mental health and their mental well-being that they could implement immediately, what would those three tips be? Like I said, fundamentally, they need to find themselves, give themselves and love themselves. And for me, that looks very simply like meditate, journal, and constantly learn and grow. Perfect. That yeah. was quick and easy. Yeah. Where can the listeners go to find out more about you, mate? Where can they get your content, find out more about you, get your podcast? Let us know. So the podcast is called the Prime Life Project Podcast. It's on YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you want to find it all. Uh, and the best place to get hold of me is on Instagram, and that's Daniel underscore James underscore Fitness. Um, so if you message me on there, um, yeah, I'm happy to reply on there. So I, I've released a load of content on there. It's all free stuff. Uh, like I said, my mission is to help as many people as possible. So I don't really sell anything it literally the podcast is free mm. my instagram's free it's just full of content and information to help people love it love it i've really enjoyed having you on mate i really appreciate your time i've uh, i've loved every single second of that um we always end my uh show in the same way and that's with a favorite quote so just hit me and the listeners with a quote and we'll wrap it up there so you literally put me on the spot with this earlier on but luckily so you said it could be a quote of my own so my favorite quote is probably a quote of my own that I did when I was going through some deep stuff, it just came to me. Uh, it says, once you've realized that you are the light you've been searching for, you will never end up in darkness again. Love it, mate. That was amazing. Thank you so much, Dan. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Nice one. That's a wrap on another episode of the Kinetic Fitness Show. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast episode with your friends, family, and colleagues. Until next time, peace and love.